Welcome to Isidka. My name is Amina Isid, and join me as I take you on a journey to explore identity, culture, and belonging. Take a seat as I take you through time, space, and various perspectives of cultural identity. Stay tuned to see where the journey will take us today. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Isidka. It's been a while since I've done an episode. 2022 is already like six years, I feel like, into the past like three months. It's been, oh, subhanAllah. Um, but I'm back. I was like, oh, what should I talk about? Um, what's been happening? It seems like the world's kind of falling apart. Um, but we are in March. It is Women's History Month. There's a couple of things that I've been like kind of like sitting on for a while. Um, one of them is obviously thinking about... Like Sahra Ahmed, Ahmed So I've been um, on my personal Instagram page. I'm kind of just curating and capturing like whatever I'm really interested in or like moved by. Um, and at one point, like I put like a couple, like a couple old finance, like female finance, and then a couple like modern, like uh, or contemporary singers. And they were just honestly, all of them were just bops that I like really liked um, and video clips that I just had in my phone because I think, hey, there's something about like you need receipts, right? Like you need to prove that this happened at one point or else people are going to be like, what are you talking about? That wasn't real. And a lot of like what we've been taught, a lot of like the um, conversations that have been happening around knowledge, like management, knowledge transfer, is that um, I got Somalis and like a lot of African societies um, pass information down through oral history, like orally, like, you know, like um, we're oral society. That's how we kind of like retain our culture, retain our history, retain our information. But as we're seeing now in the diaspora or, um, that you know one generation difference one generation away from the motherland people are not necessarily understanding or speaking somali so if the language if all the knowledge is caught up in the language and that's something i've been also personally um trying to make sense of in the past couple of years because there's a strong like lack on the fact that a if you are of this like cultural and like ethnic identity then you need to have like these basic markers so what does it mean on like a basic level if like how are you a Somali if you can't speak Somali? And that's like conversations that real, unfortunately real life have had with people and I'm just kind of like up to, but it's not you to see, like seek claims or own the definition of what it means to be Somali. This might be like more like an intellectual exercise. Like it didn't need to be that deep, but you know, I had, I had all the energy to give all the smoke. I was like, and a part of Isidka also is, is a continuation of that, right? Like how can we still claim this identity, this culture, um, and not necessarily follow the rules. Honestly, my master's paper was also about that as well. Like how are a whole bunch of these diaspora coming back to the motherland and seeking claims to the land and their culture and their identity without following local rules. Um, and they did it, you know, and I think now we're seeing a lot of change. Um, I haven't been back home in a while, but from what I've seen online, like, you know, society's evolving. They're getting, um, people are getting used to different types of norms. It looks very nice out there. Like, you know, the, the Somali FOMO, like, uh, 
game is very very real uh people are selling dreams online um but let's all remember that social media are people's highlight reels um, and not their day-to-day or their real life so now i'm just kind of like okay what was i given like because the things that I resonate with now in terms of culture are very much things that I was given as a child. So music is a huge part of that. And it's so ironic in a lot of ways. Um, and I probably talked about this before in other app, like platforms or like areas. But when we were kids, it, we had to listen to only Somali music because my mom didn't want us to listen to English music. And I was like, Ugh. I think, I mean, like, I vividly remember watching Ruayet and, like, a couple of the songs, um, like the Somali National Anthem and things like that. And that also gave us an avenue or a space to kind of get used to hearing Somali outside of talking to our mom. Because my dad never spoke to us in Somali like that when we were younger. So now, the way the music has evolved is like, okay, I'm growing into adulthood and I... and what now if my childhood was marked by a bunch of rules then um what does somali womanhood look like um and and a lot of like i think my focus on even the past in a lot of ways is also trying to like connect with that sense of somali identity and culture and land that my parents knew because what exists now they don't even know um but very much trying to understand a little bit of their world and what their norms were and what the looks were. Um, so even like on a basic level, my mom, there's this picture of her and my dad and it's in the 80s. So my dad has a little fro um, and the mom has a huge afro. And like, and her hair is like blown out, like Farrah Fawcett, like 80s type of like blowout situation. And then she now is just always like, and it's just kind of like, but oh yeah, we literally look at this picture. It used to be like the background of my phone at one point in time. I'm like, we have receipts. And she's like, which is what a lot of people say about whatever existed before. Um, you know, we didn't know any better and we just kind of were doing whatever we did. But I think that that's very like unfair because it's um, diminishing, you know, like what their norms were and it's diminishing that also had any value. So I say that all to say that now, I like there's like I love love like finding like older clips and videos online like there's this YouTube channel called Somali Music and Culture and it's just amazing to see what they all looked like like even what the background looked like what was possible because now there's been such a restrictive way like a restrictive sense of what it means to be Somali publicly Um, and so it's like oh my god like the looks were on point like um, and their outfits and their hair and what they were talking about and the way that they were like confidently like expressing themselves the way that they were expressing expressively expressing themselves too granted I mean you know they were like doing plays and they're actresses and actors and things like that but like the banter and all of that like it's just so like um entertaining um and also I think very telling of the times it also (laughs) makes sense uh kind of how our parents understood a lot of norms and our understanding uh, and how they raised us in a lot of ways I feel like uh, I don't know um is dispersed as they were like what whatever time that they were all together in the country i feel like they all were kind of given the same blueprint as to like how to deal with life afterwards and it's like so crazy um but this episode um i want to kind of focus on 
you know, I did the, I want to focus on the ladies that came before us. And I did um, two music mixes before this, but being that it's Women's History Month and we're close to um, into the International like Women's Day, March 8th, then I'll drop this episode to kind of um, give some receipts or share some feedback or kind of share my thoughts on the ladies that came before us. Basically the reason why um, I kind of been stuck on that. Um, and I think that a lot of like, the ways in which cultural norms are passed down in which we understand who we are as a people um, understand ancestors understand lineage is obviously like through through highlighting the people who came before you through understanding like who your ancestors were who your foremothers were who your forefathers were in this somali culture you know we know all our forefathers you know you know like your sixth grandpa and your eighth like grandpa and um and you like and in that way you're kind of like solidified till the end of like having claims into Somali society from a male standpoint. We've seen where that gets us in 2022. So I'm just always like, oh, but what about the women? Like, because on a basic level, like as as like women birth you into the world, and if you're like a woman now, then like obviously you came from a woman who came from a woman who came from a woman, and the ways in which they pass down knowledge and information to you is probably gonna be more important than knowing what your father's name is, if you even know who your father is personally, you know. Um, and I think like and also like cutting off the umbilical cord of information connection and wisdom is also like severely like kind of damaging in that way. And um, but part of our cultural like a part of our cultural norms in the sense of being in the diaspora, like a lot of, if you're lucky to grow up with your grandmother, then this doesn't apply to you. But there are people that might not know their grandmothers that might not know their aunties that might not know, um, you know, their extended family on their mother's side. Or their father's side, um, you know, we're so dispersed that might not have access to these people that we like innately like, and that we like came from so like intimately, you know. Um, for me personally, like my entire family like lives outside of the United States, so we're the only ones living in this huge big island of America. Um, so that's why when I wrote that piece, like how far would you travel for love? It was talking about like my family's all over the world. And so we've always had to travel all over the world to see them, to connect with them, to build relationships with them. And then my dad always thought that that was enough. We didn't need to go to Somalia. But then I was like, I need to go to Somalia because like the whole family is there. Like, uh, you know, my grandmother is there, like all my aunties, my mother's siblings are all there and they all look like my mom. Like, you know, so that's also crazy to like have to like even like experience um, or think about that. I'm like, hmm, what would my mom be like this in this environment if she stayed, you know? Um, and that's also like really crazy to think about that. Like if one different thing happened in life, then we'd be like a completely different like type of position. But the ladies that came before us more generally, um, focusing on like female artists um, and female social activists and things like that is to give credit to that half of society that really did their part during like the 70s, 80s. Um, actually, like, I mean, and forever, honestly, but um, to shed light on the fact that a they existed and they took up space and that they were also equal citizens um, or full equal citizens as much as the times and the culture uh would allow but Sahara Ahmed I think we used to watch a lot of rides with her as uh, when I was younger and 
when I wrote like the piece, like the ladies um, that came before us or the ladies that became my grandmothers, I wrote something like that on Habit Online. And I focused on like, so I didn't know my grandmother for a long time. And then, um, well, I met her when I was like 25. And then, um, but Sahara Ahmed, I was like, she was kind of like, uh, I'm an Abdullahi, like for all intents and purposes, like, you know, all these like older women that we saw in Rawaids, um, kind of like were, the way they talked and expressed themselves and information that they shared um, was kind of a way to like offer that cultural knowledge um, or that like inherent also like auntie wisdom or like grandma wisdom that like would have come from my grandmother um, in a way that I think I also like it's palatable because it's not unsolicited advice too you know so it's like okay I have time and energy to be open to like seeing what this is but I'm sure if like if it was another type of situation where like somebody was in my face trying to tell me something they'd be like okay hey 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 and then you just go about your life um but you know her songs i'd say sahara ahmed um more so i mean for me personally uh like it's about it's the songs but it's also kind of like the way she carries herself and how she kind of like operates um or did and it's just like it's just so like dope to see kind of like the wide um variety like sometimes it's a love song and she really is gonna bear out all her heart and her emotions then the next song will be like like a diss track uh, <laughs> and then the next song might be like some type of like advice or like oh, like you know um type of song and it's not like she's stuck in one specific like subject or like one kind of lane. She's not just like, oh, the girl just sings the love songs, you know? So that I think is definitely different. And she also like had such, she has such a, like expansive like discography, like when it comes to like songs and like rewides that she was involved in. Like there's just so much like accessibility to like the work that she did. And she constantly did like, she was constantly like producing work. Um, so there's, it's easy to kind of go out there and find like what she did. And um and then past that also. I don't know if I did an episode about her already, but also her looks, like I probably wrote this, but she always wore a crown, like a gold crown on her head. Always like and then like the gold drip was serious. She always had, like had like jewelry, like a ne- gold necklace, bracelets, rings. Uh, and she was always like relatively well covered like as she got older like there was um there is like one video that you can see of her when she's young and that's like the only one like she's a really young woman um and very like tall and like slender like um and then she's wearing a gutino and then either she has a little afro her hair is like in a ponytail like afro um and so like her one shoulder is bare and um and that's like the one time like you kind of see her not like fully like covered um but she was still young and she looked so dope um but i mean even like as she's older and the outfits that she's wearing she's always still like she'll wear like a dashiki but it's like a long dashiki dress so like really with a storontai but it's still like it still is very like dope looking um so I don't have any other words to describe her fashion other than it is dope looking. I can't believe I spent 16 minutes just rambling about this. So 
yeah so i think that um also so also kind of like building off on that though um it's the un a like the unapologeticness um is one thing like there's this one video that is like this song where it's like like basically like don't diss me before you gave me a chance and she gave him the side eye so strongly and then came back and was like, listen, are you selling me dreams? Like, is this a love thing that you're trying to sell me on? Is it like going like change the universe and like... She like GTFOH in like the illest way. It's so funny to watch. Um, but I think there's something to be said about A, you need cultural markers. You need like people to, um, you need people to kind of look to they say that they're cultural custodians um and in a way that works for you because we like Rakatambe is about like these new age farahs and to also add to like the fact that um as we move like you know more into modernity and globalization and this crazy world where we are all connected um in five minutes i can call people who live in three different continents um but also kind of like then what are the new norms that we're adapting into our society because i think we are very much like we always try to say oh you know culture kind of like adapts to the times and the norms and it definitely has a time and a place as that continues to change, like I think the problem, the problematic aspect of where we are now as Somali people is that we've accepted such restrictive culture in the name of, I don't know, culture, in the name of culture, where it's not really culture, it's social control. Um, and we've also then adapted religion into the social control as well. Um, but culture and religion are separate. Um, and so with the ladies that came before us. It's just a way to kind of add, like, not even kind of add, but kind of tear apart a little bit of the restrictiveness that we've become so wedded to. To say, hey, or we used to be like this. Um, and that is okay. We don't need to, like, hide it. Like, it's kind of like the elephant in the room. Had that, like, if you try to just ignore something, then it's going to grow bigger and overpower you, right? So if we say, okay, this is okay, and also music is okay, um, like this expressive nature, whether that's through art, whether that's through music, whether that's through fashion, whether that's through like actually physically being able to express yourself, um, I think we've seen, we've seen as Somalis kind of what happens when you deny people that ability to um that God-given ability to express themselves. And we are still continuing to do that, though. Um, and I think, um, uh, for me, kind of focusing on or looking upon the ladies that came before us is a way of saying, hey, we used to exist and we did have a social platform. And if we had that during that time, then there's no way we shouldn't have that during now. Um, but also paying homage to them. Um to their legacies it's very um you know a lot of artists in a somali context don't get paid a lot for um their work um and even socially they might eventually kind of you know like bow out of the arts and then you know and it's i don't understand why it's become such a big like public fanfare oh funky wakatege 
all right, like if you divorce somebody you were married to for 20 years, you spent 20 years with that person. There still is like some value that you've gained in that experience. Like we don't need this like public wedding of like, oh, I can take it out. Like um, they still like if we look at their music and their artistry and their contribution as something valuable to society and appreciate that while they're doing it, then maybe we will kind of also change public perception when it comes to the arts. Um I didn't really expect here to I didn't really expect to come on here and to start preaching lacking why the weather got a nice on. Um so it's March, Women's History Month. Today, um this episode is like will come out International Women's Day, and I would like it to really honor the ladies that came before us. And so you can follow all the music that I'm enjoying right now at the moment at Isid Music on Instagram. You can follow the podcast underscore Isidka on Instagram. Um, let me know, you know, kind of what you'd like to see um, in the next couple of months. Like kind of what you're really interested in. I will come back with some uh, information about Rakadambe. I also like what and shit it dropped. Her first full-length poetry book in March of 2022. Um, so this episode actually was going to be originally about what and shit it, but I'll come back and do another episode after I read her poetry book. Um, but I'm back. I'm here. So um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And inshallah, stay tuned for more. <laughs>